Hey, good Saturday morning. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. I'm with you till 1 o'clock still. Taps out at noon. Uh, we have a busy show lined up for you. We've got Isabelle Etier. She's the host of the Femme Docky podcast. She, re- she recently had a really nice interview uh, with Madame Elise Beliveau. Uh, we'll talk about the state of women's hockey with her. That goes in about uh, 20 minutes' time. Amar Sadich, Montreal Impact, not done yet. They've got a game on Tuesday that you'll hear right here on TSN 690. He'll join us after 11.35. Uh, Kurt Heelan, NBA, back in action last night. I caught a lot of that Orlando Magic-Atlanta Hawks game that I'm sure everybody was watching as well. Saw Kareem Manet, Ken Birch, uh, both Montreal natives. So excited to talk NBA with Kurt. And, of course, our main man when it comes to the NFL. He is Jeff Reinbold, NFL analyst, special teams coordinator of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I believe he's joined us from San Antonio, Honolulu, and London. I believe he will be joining us from London again. He's working this weekend for Sky Sports, uh, so we will talk a little bit of NFL as well. But I actually do want to start with some hockey. An interesting discussion broke out on Habs Lunch yesterday. I brought up that I believe the Montreal Canadiens would be better than the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2021. I realize that since Austin Matthews has come into the league, the Leafs have been better than the Canadiens. I also realize that the Leafs are way more top-heavy than Montreal is. Matthews, Marner, Tavares would be the top forwards on the Habs roster by a country mile. But the two teams are built differently, really, really differently. The Canadians don't have a single superstar forward, but they boast some impressive depth up front. Sure, Josh Anderson fills in for Max Domi, but adding Tyler Toffoli to the fold makes them better. The other key for the Habs, internal growth. How much better can Suzuki get? Can Kotkaniemi build off what he did in the playoffs? And how important of a piece will Alexander Romanov be this season? The Habs have question marks, no doubt, but every team does. We're playing with a flat cap this year, so there aren't many teams that improved on paper as much as the Canadians have. But this Canadian division will be fascinating to watch because we'll get a 56-game sample size of all these teams playing against each other over and over again. So there's no real strength of schedule arguments or anything like that. Assuming good health for the Habs and Leafs, it's going to be interesting to watch how it plays out when a top-heavy team goes up against quality depth throughout the season. Yeah, uh, Mitch Gallo on Habs lunch yesterday was scandalized that I said that the Cana- I thought the Canadians could be better than the, uh, than the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I get it. Like I said, Leafs have been better. You know, you look at the last five years, uh, they've definitely been quote-unquote better than Montreal has. Montreal has one playoff appearance. They got bounced in the first round and they didn't look good against the Rangers. But... What exactly have the Toronto Maple Leafs accomplished? They've built up some impressive, um, an impressive amount of skill up front. I really like Morgan Riley on defense, and I'm a fan of Freddie Anderson. But it just it seems like, especially in the playoffs, uh, there's always that letdown moment, or you know, he gives up a bad goal, and we saw that in the playing round against Columbus, where at times he was phenomenal, uh, but then you know, there's. Uh, there's pucks that go in from the corner. Uh, there's goals that go in from areas they shouldn't be going in from. And uh, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. And I know that some guys play great in a contract year. I don't know. There's been a lot of talk about the goaltending position uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I have, I have every right, I think, to believe that the Canadians are better built 
for a 56 game season. And don't get me wrong, like I'm the I'm the type of person where, you know, if I'm making a trade in in fantasy hockey or anything like that, I'm always the one who tries to get the best player in the deal. So I certainly realize that Toronto's three top forwards are better than anything the Canadians have. At the same time, they did trade away Andreas Janssen. They did trade away Kasperi Kapanen. Yeah, they still have William Nylander, a very good player, terrific player. But as you go further and further down the depth chart, like I like Joe Thornton. Funny guy, outstanding career, condensed season though. What does he have left at 40 plus? Was he 41, 42 years old? Jason Spezza. Jason Spezza was fine for the Leafs last year. He's back. Great. Wayne Simmons. Always liked Wayne Simmons. But the body's clearly breaking down. And, I mean, it's a condensed schedule again. So how much, how effective is he going to be throughout the season? Listen, this is not to say that I think the Leafs are bad. I don't think the Leafs are bad at all. I think they're going to be in the discussion for a top three spot in the Canadian division. But the only team that I'm comfortable putting ahead of the Canadians is the Vancouver Canucks. That's the only team I'm comfortable putting there. I think Vancouver has the stars up front. They do have a guy like Quinn Hughes who put up just these ridiculous number on the, the numbers on defense. They, they have a question mark in goal. There's no doubt about it. I know they signed Braden Holtby. But Holtby hasn't been great. Even the year that Washington did win the Stanley Cup, Braden Holtby wasn't even the starting goaltender heading into the playoffs. But I think Vancouver is is has the top heaviness that Toronto has, but I also think that they're deeper. So I'm I'm comfortable saying that Vancouver ahead of Montreal. For as for the rest, like I know many are, are discounting Ottawa or discrediting Ottawa, and I personally don't think the Senators are going to be good in 2021. But I just I can't rule anybody out. It's such a weird year, such a weird season, that I'm not ruling anybody out of a playoff spot. And by the way, we don't even know how many teams are making the playoffs from this Canadian division. Like, we have no clue what the playoff format's going to look like. Is it expanded playoffs again? Are 12 teams going to get in in each conference again? I have no idea. How do they maximize revenues? However, that whatever the answer is there, that's probably what they're going to do. But as for Montreal and Toronto, it really wouldn't shock me. I expect the Canadians to be better than the Leafs. I really, really do. And it kind of leads into uh, my question of the day, which you can find on Twitter at Joey Alfieri, or you can find uh, on Twitter at TSN690. And it's if you can buy stock... In one of these NHL teams, which one would it be? Your options? Habs, Leafs, Senators. And when I say buy stock, I don't mean that you recoup money uh, based on uh, ticket sales and TV rights and all that stuff. I mean based on what's happening on the ice. And with that, as we do every week, I'd like to bring in Jonathan Kenneth Still. JK Still, what's going on? How's your Saturday, my friend? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So you've heard the question. Mm Mm-hmm. Your thoughts, you can buy stock, and the payout is all... It doesn't even have to be 2021. If you're a long-term investor, that might change the way you approach (laughs) the question. But it's all based on on on-ice performance. Mm -hmm. Habs, Leafs, Senators. 
for the 2021 season. That's not what I asked. I know. I'm saying you can wait as long as you want. You, this can be a 10-year thing. This can be a five-year thing. This could be a one-year thing. I know you got a lot of money to invest, <laughs> so it probably doesn't really matter for you. Oh, God. Um, I would probably buy stock in the Montreal Canadiens. All right, so the stock price of the Canadians has gone up, mm-hmm. right? Since, uh, like, since last, so, since the end of last season in March, right? So the stock, based on the additions, the stock price has gone up. But I think it's fair to say that the stock price probably isn't as high as what a Toronto Maple Leaf stock price would be right now. Right. But I'm I'm, I'm thinking about not just short term but long term success. Yeah. Especially if I'm picking a stock because. Uh, I'm not smart enough to know what's about to happen in the short term, so I like to play it. Uh, right, like to play it real long term. Yeah, but I mean, the, the the I think the Habs have the best of both worlds when it comes to if you're looking at both the Senators and the Maple Leafs. Senators, we know, are supposedly going to be very good over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Canadians have, as far as I'm concerned, a top five prospect pool in the league. Ottawa probably at number one or number two in that one. Right. So it's not like they're trailing all that far behind. And then the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, they're good in the present, but how many how many Nick Robertsons are going to come up and supplant what is the unbelievable top heaviness right. of the Toronto Maple Leafs? So I think if you had to pick a stock between those three, Probably go with the Montreal Canadiens right and now. And 72% of our voters so far agree with you. Uh, they say that uh, they would buy stock in the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I might surprise you here, but I'm going with the long-term gain. I'm buying low. I'm buying a, probably a penny stock, but I might buy in on the Ottawa Senators, which is funny because I'm opening up talking about the Leafs and Canadiens, and I would probably buy Ottawa. I'd have to wait for it, John. I certainly realize that. Like, I, I realize that whatever investment I make right now in the Ottawa Senators will probably only pay off in like five years from now. Maybe more. Maybe it never pays off. I don't think it ever pays off. But, but at anyways. the price, well, I mean, they, they drafted some really good players this They're year. They're never able to sign them. That's the well, I mean, thing. they committed money to Thomas Shabbat already. Like, they've paid Thomas but, I Shabbat. Mean, I think once push comes, I realize that Melnick gets a bad rap, but I think that once they're ready, well, and, it's, and it's deserved. It's it's totally deserved. Did you see that he's coming out with his own blog? Yeah, I saw. And his own like I know he can't. That's what Eugene Melnick needs to do. He needs to talk more. Blog. Yeah. He needs to make more waves. That's what he needs to do. Right. Yeah. So I think I would buy stock long term. It's probably Ottawa Senators just because I can get it at a fantastic price. But at the same time, uh, this year, if we're going, if we're looking at 2021, uh, I'm buying stock again this year only. I'm buying stock in the Montreal Canadiens. I think that if you look at the way the Canadiens are built, they've got four balanced lines. They also have one of the best lines five-on-five in hockey. It doesn't have a superstar on it, but I think that Dano, Gallagher, and Tataro over the last two seasons have proved that they can be very effective uh, in creating offense at even strength. And they can also shut down or neutralize you know, the opponent's top lines. They get a lot of those assignments. Whether that line sticks together or not remains to be seen. But yes, the Toronto Maple Leafs have the three. If you merge both teams, the Leafs have the three best forwards. Canadians have the better goalie and two of the three defensemen. I would say, if you look at the way both teams are built, Weber, Petrie, and Morgan Riley are the three best defensemen. Canadians have two of those. 
Mm-hmm. I think after that, it's up for debate. I personally would go with TJ Brody, but I don't know how he's going to fit in Toronto. They committed a good chunk of change to him, and I realized that it was a down year for him last year, but everyone kind of struggled in Calgary. But uh, that's where I'm going. I think Habs over Leafs. Quickly, we've got a couple seconds left, John, this year, 2021. Um, uh, I'll probably say I'll probably say that uh, that the powers that be in Toronto know that the way that they're built right now, they have to push these guys for all that they're worth over the next two or three seasons. So I think that uh, 2021, I'll go with the Leafs. That's fine. I can I listen. They've been last half because decade. It, they've been better. If they don't, if they don't figure this out and either win a few playoff rounds or get to a conference final or a cup final over the next two or three years. You're looking at basically this entire core is going to be, there's going to be massive parts of this team that are going to be moved out to basically completely renovate how the Leafs are constructed. So I think that they have to capitalize. Are they going to be able to do that though? I mean, they've got some heavy duty salaries to move there if they want to move somebody. I think they have to capitalize either this year or next to actually have any kind of confidence of being able to do anything going forward under Kyle Dubas and, uh, and the powers that be there. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. He's John Still. I'm Joey Alfieri with you till 1 o'clock. This year's been challenging on a lot of fronts, but pro sports has made some progress in certain areas. For example, the Miami Marlins made Kim Ang the first female general manager in MLB history. How close are we to having a female GM in the NHL? It's an interesting question that we'll attempt to answer on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Join the social sports conversation. Follow TSN 690 on Facebook. Click on Facebook.com slash TSN 690 Montreal. Il y a toujours quelqu'un qui vient me trouver. Hein? Toujours, toujours. Vous êtes madame de niveau? Là, je dis oui. Des fois, c'est des messieurs. Puis là, ils ont dit, oh, peux-tu vous faire une collade? Ben oui, ben oui, ça, là, ça arrive. Même ici, quand je vais prendre une petite marche, ben là, j'en prends moins. Là. Quand j'ai plus mon chien, puis quand je prenais mes marches, Souvent, je rencontrais des, des hommes qui travaillent ici, puis tu vois, ben, ils arrêtaient les voitures, venaient me parler. Je te dis que c'était pas drôle, hein, la femme à l'homme de niveau. Là, ils me parlaient de hockey, là, les gars, là. Bien, aimez-vous ça quand on vous arrête? Ah oui, j'aime le monde, moi. Moi, je rencontre de la misère. Des fois, quand hein, des fois, je suis au centre-ville, puis il y a des messieurs qui viennent me parler de gens, ou bien, il faut... Là, là, on me faire interviewer au, au, au centre-ville, des affaires de même, puis il me parle de gens. Là, la, les larmes me viennent, mais je ne suis pas capable, ça me monte, <rire> ça me choque. Il y a des fois, je ne suis pas capable, pas capable de parler de lui du tout, du tout, du tout, ça ne veut pas. C'est fin de pleurer. That's Madame Elise Belliveau on the Femme Docky podcast, which is hosted by Isabelle Etier. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with you till 1 o'clock, uh, and it's a pleasure to welcome to the show for the first time Isabelle Etier. Isabelle, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me this morning. No problem. I listened to the podcast this week, and I really, really enjoyed the interview with uh, with Madame Belliveau and uh, Hélène Belliveau, uh, Jean's daughter as well. Uh, what did you learn about the Belliveau family while you were doing this? Uh, they are so welcoming and generous and authentic. They are really what you see when you go to the Bell Center and you saw them uh, far away. They are just very kind and they love the sports. They really do. <laughs> so you went you went to the to Madame Belliveau's home, right? Yes. So where how- she was yeah, where she were uh, living with Jean and all the pictures are still there and uh, you can it's a throwback moment. Uh, that's what I was gonna ask you. So how soon when you walk in did you like do you know that you're in Jean Belliveau's house? First step. <laughs> <laughs> so there uh, no, there's picture all around the, 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 the room, yeah. So, um, 
I mean, I'm sure, you know, we heard on the clip coming in that she's still very emotional. I mean, you can certainly understand why, but she also sounds, if you listen to the podcast, um, and I, and I did, I was able to see it. I watch it on YouTube. I encourage our listeners to go and check it out. Um, but I think the point that you kept bringing up, which I thought was really interesting was that it's not just Jean Bellevaux. Like she's not just standing behind them. They're side by side. Right. And it just, you always got that sense, uh, with Jean Bellevaux and, and the family and just how classy they are. Yeah, it's it's a team thing, you know, uh, when you're in couple and she was always beside him, not behind him. And this is something I really uh, discover at the moment at the Bell Center when we be, we have them commemorial for Jean Bibliveau in 2014. And speaking with her, uh, ex- she was sharing her story with him and uh, even with Helen as well. I realized it was a real thing. They were a team for everything in their life. She's Isabelle Etier. She's the host of the Femme Docky podcast, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Uh, so I wanted to just get into a couple of different things with you here. Thank you for joining us. Um, Kim Ang, I'm sure you've seen the story. The first female general manager in MLB history uh, was hired this offseason. Uh, how mm-hmm. close do you think we are to that happening in the NHL? Like how many years away do you think we are? Well, I hope it's going to be uh, sooner than later. But I don't know. I don't feel we're close yet. Since I know there's 13 teams right now who hire women in the sports operation. Mm -hmm. There's 24 of them. Uh, Maple Leaf are a really good (laughs) record on that. And also the Panthers uh, and the Kraken, the new team coming in. But there's not a lot of uh, women in the the big, uh, the the higher spot. There is, yeah, the VP operation at uh, Les Avalanches de Corrado, Mm -hmm. Charlotte Graham. But I don't know. Uh, It will depend. I hope it's going to be sooner than later, as I told you. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. And it just, it feels like it's a slow trickle right now, but... Like Kendall Coyne Schofield, who, who's a hockey player for the, or was a hockey player for the U.S. women's national team, uh, she was hired last week by the Chicago Blackhawks, but she's going to be a, a skill and development coach. And mm-hmm. it seems like we're starting to get some of that, but you're right. In the front office, for whatever reason, uh, it's it's really been, uh, hockey's been a little bit behind in that sense. And I'm just, I'm fascinated to see, because, <laughs> listen, I'm not breaking any news here, uh, mm-hmm. but women see things so much differently than we do and i'd love to see a woman you know latch on to or have an opportunity to latch on to a hockey team and i want to see what a smart hockey woman can do with a hockey team because i listen i don't i think there's some general managers out there uh that need uh all the help that they can get but i'm just i'd be i'd be curious to see how a woman would handle it and I, i think that women would succeed i just think they need an opportunity they just need an opportunity, and I feel like we don't give them that opportunity, those opportunities. And it's a different point of view. It's a different way to see it, and I feel like it's a team thing as well. If I do the relationship, the relation with uh, the interview I did with Madame Bellevaux, mm-hmm. whatever, you need to be a team. You need different point of view, different perspective, a talent, and uh, way to do things. And if more women will see... Uh, behind the bench as well, because we don't have women uh, on bench right now mm-hmm. in NHL, which is what we we can see it in the NFL, NBA. So let's start with all those points, and maybe uh, one day we'll have a, a woman, a, a general manager, 
in the NHL. Yeah, that would that would be really cool to see if we can get that. You know, in the next, I'm hoping that in the next five years, I know that might seem ambitious to some people, but I really hope that we can do something like that and and, and get a woman uh, in a prominent position, a, a prominent decision making. Uh, position. I also wanted. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I know that the NHL's committed uh, some money, or they've they've pledged some money to the NWHL. Um, what what more can the NHL do? You know what I mean. Like I know money fixes a lot of problems, but what would you like to see them do in order to help women's hockey grow and and make it a little bit more uh, national and in the spotlight? I know there's money, but there are also we need to have a place in the media. It it needs to be seen. Mm-hmm. We don't have only to talk about it, but we have to watch it. More we're going to be exposed to uh, that kind of hockey because I, I feel like it's a different kind of hockey. Ho- women hockey um, and, and NHL, it's different. Both are so interesting and passionate. If we look at tennis players, we watch women and men, and we love it. So I feel like we need to consume it. I feel also during the All-Star game, uh, the way they, they put the woman over there, then mm-hmm. we had the exhibition that uh, came. It was a good way to start that revolution. Isabel, can you tell our listeners where they can find the podcast? Uh, there is a, a fam.hockey, the website. You also can follow us on every platform, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We're all, all there, fam.hockey. Thank you so much for doing it, and great job with uh, Madame Belliveau. That was really, really uh, compelling. That was a compelling watch and listen. All the best. Thank you very much. Have a great day. That's Isabelle Etier. She's the host of the Docky podcast. Uh, you can find I watched it on YouTube, and it was uh, really nice to see. Like, you, you get to see Madame Belliveau. She hands out... Uh, the Jean Beliveau Award uh, every year, the last couple of years. But to actually hear her speak uh, was uh, was very interesting, and I encourage you uh, to give that a listen when it, whenever you have a chance. Again, that's Isabelle Etier from the Femme podcast. How do you prepare for a game when you haven't played in over a month? Impact midfielder Amar Sadich will break that down for us. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Your home of the Montreal Impact, TSN 690. Victor Wanyama, who wins the ball and passes it at the same time to Rudy Camacho. He was looking for an option quick up the pitch. Doesn't find any such thing. Plays short to Samuel Piet, who plays it backwards for Rod Fanny. Now back with Rudy Camacho in the center circle for Victor Wanyama. First touch up the right side for Romel Kyoto on the run. He's in the box, plays it back for Amar Sidic, who makes it 2-1. Welcome back, Saturday Sports, TSN 690, Joey Alfieri with you till 1 o'clock with John Still. And a reminder that uh, it's not only game day on Tuesday for the Montreal Impact, but it's also expansion draft day in MLS, so it's entirely possible uh, that the Impact lose a player ahead to Austin uh, ahead of their game against Olympia on Tuesday night. And I will give you my my personal expansion draft list. You get to protect 12 players per team. Uh, I will tell you who the impact protect uh, just after 1220. Spoiler alert, our next guest is going to be on my protection list. He's impact midfielder Amar Sadich. Amar, what's going on? Uh, nothing much. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, do you remember what happened the last time you came on the show? Uh, I feel like it's been a while. I'm not It's sure. been a while. So uh, October the 10th was the last time you were on the show. And mm-hmm. so we had a great chat. We, we had a lot of fun. Uh, you guys had a game on the 11th, and you scored. Okay. And then you guys had a game on the 14th, and you scored. 
So, uh-huh. uh, so you're welcome is what I'm trying to say for what's yeah, going to happen on Tuesday. There. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> so, man, what's, what was the last time you saw family? Like, when was the last time you were able to hang out with your family? Um, it's been, it's been a long time. Honestly, I don't, I don't really have a, an exact date that I can uh, remember. It's been a, a, a very, very long time to say the least. Frustrating at all that, you know, the way the season ended, you guys got in, you lose to new England, but there's still this champions league game. Like you couldn't go home because of this game. I mean, no, I think if, um, maybe we were, um, in the U S or if my family lived in Canada, that would be different. But because of the whole, um, quarantine rules and laws and all this other stuff, it, it basically kind of made it impossible for, for players to travel outside of our market. Um, and then having to restart a quarantine again. So, uh, yeah, we've all been in Montreal, uh, since the return of, uh, new England. Right. So, and you guys were, you guys just got out of quarantine. Was it at the beginning of this week? Uh, our last day of quarantine was, I want to say, last Saturday. Right, so it's a week, yeah. So give me a yeah. typical day in quarantine for you here. Oh, man. Um, honestly, all of the days kind of start smudging in as, as <laughs> one. But um, luckily, I just started uh, doing my uh, master's in business. So uh, I had schoolwork that kind of kept me busy. And, uh, if, yeah, if I got done with that, then it was a lot of time spent on Xbox and... Um, yeah, to be honest, that's that's kind of pretty much it. It's funny, like a lot of you younger guys, you know, you come on the show and you're talking to me about these. Like we had uh, Pantemis on, and Pantemis uh-huh. told that like, he studies on the bus. Uh, Shamit Shom graduated from Concordia last year, I think it was, and he was telling us all about that. Uh, so when you right. need, let's say you're you're on the bus or you're around the team or whatever, and you need help with your homework, who are you most likely to ask for help, and who are you least likely to ask? Oh man, I don't even know if I would trust that many people. Um, <laughs> I, I would say I would say Shamit would have been my uh, my go to, um, considering he's got his engineering degree and he's yeah. uh, he's a math he's a math wizard. But uh, I don't, maybe James next. Honestly, I don't know who else would who else I would trust to to, to go and ask questions. Well, you're not getting out of the second part of the question. Who's the least likely to, that you would ask? Oh man, um, least likely. Yeah. Probably Louis Binks. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't trust the Tottenham system of education. <laughs> it's oh boy, you got to chuckle out of uh, John Still there. It's Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. Joey Alfieri, John Still in conversation with Impact midfielder at Marseille. So, look, I mean, man, you guys. It's more than a month between games. How do you stay sharp? How do you stay ready for uh, this thing on Tuesday night against Olympia in the Concacaf Champions League? Uh, I mean, of course, we were in a really good position uh, coming out of playoffs in terms of fitness and, you know, having so many games close together. Um, majority of all players were 90 minutes match fit. And then, of course, you have this two-week hiatus, and it's like a, it's like you take a couple steps back. But um, I think uh, our, our coaching staff and our, and our fitness coach has, has done a good job in terms of um, just kind of bringing our, um, I, I would say, endurance levels like kind of back to where they were but also not overdoing it so that uh we're very fatigued for the game so mm-hmm. he, he wants us to be very fresh for the game and um yeah it's been a good balance of both rest and hard work um so 
the the biggest thing is just uh, to not have players get injured in the game, and but also still able to give 100% effort for as long as they can. Omar, I'm not going to lie. The last time that I did anything in public was the first leg of this tie. And so it must be so strange for you to be basically playing a second leg against an opponent that, I mean, to be perfectly honest, you guys have basically forgotten about. Uh, what has the preparation been? Again, it's been an unbelievably weird season. But what has been the preparation been knowing exactly what scoreline you need going into this game to be facing the Honduran club? Uh, I mean, it's... Uh... The focus has been on us and how we want to play, um, not necessarily kind of looking into too much how they play. We kind of understand uh, that they are a team who is in, a, in an advantage um, with a 2-1 lead on us. So, of course, we have to play attacking football, and uh, that's how the coaching staff has set us up. Um, so it's going to be a, a, a game where we're going forward. And, uh, yeah, obviously we gotta we got to score goals and – and change this deficit we're we're in. So, um, yeah, it should be it should be a fun game to play and a, and a fun game for for people at home that are watching. Amar Sadich of the Montreal Impact joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety. I mentioned earlier, Amar, that it's not just game day for you guys; it's also the MLS expansion draft. Like this seems like it's only an, an MLS only kind of thing, uh, but there's a chance that you know one of your teammates might be gone. On uh, on the the morning of game day, how much thought have you given to the expansion draft? Honestly, I didn't even know it was happening until you just mentioned <laughs> it. So um, that's how much attention I pay to those type of things. But um, yeah, of course, uh, I wouldn't want to lose any of my teammates. Um, but if the, the situation obviously does happen, then you kind of handle it from there. But um, yeah, I don't really pay too much thought to that. How weird has it been to, you know, you guys, we mentioned you guys just played New England a month ago, and now you come in, you prepare for this game. It feels like it's still the 2020 season, I'd imagine, but a lot of your teammates are gone. Like, options weren't picked up, or guys are out of contract. Like, how weird is it to not have the same faces around when you haven't even had an off season yet? No, it's definitely weird, um, especially coming back in the first training, and you just kind of see the numbers we have, and... uh and yeah, but many of those guys aren't here anymore. Um, and it's it's part of the business, and that's that's just how football is. Um, it's just weird because it is still the same season. Like we we never really got to go home, and there wasn't really like proper goodbyes or anything like that. So uh, it's just been a kind of a an awkward situation. But um, yeah, we're we're dealing it we're dealing with it the best way possible, and uh, we're just kind of thinking about the next game ahead. So with, with bodies missing, like how does your role change? Like I know you want to play your game, but how much of the coaches asked you to do uh, things differently? Maybe now that uh, say Boyan's not around, mm, I wouldn't say it's necessarily uh, very direct towards me in terms of uh, instruction, but it's more about instruction towards the team just because of the situation that we are in, uh, facing a deficit. So uh, we know that we have to go forward and. Um, I'm I'm pretty hard on myself in terms of um in terms of how I perform in, in every training and even in, in, in games as well. So I know that I gotta bring my A game and um yeah, I wanna be able to uh to to create some good chances, uh put in some good through balls, uh stop counterattacks, uh keep a good rhythm of the game and you know, just kinda let everything flow. So um yeah, I, so to answer your question, it's it's not necessarily like they're giving me 
personal instructions like, oh, like Boyan did this for us. We need you to do this because that's what he used to do. No, it's not like that at all. It's just uh, got to play my game and, and the team has to do, do their part as well. And then we'll go from there. Lamar, 12 months on, uh, just just personally, uh, because it's been such an unbelievably long season, um, you maybe to most fans weren't exactly, excuse me, a, a household name kind of coming into the year, but how do you feel like you've improved because you've kind of grabbed more of a of an important role on this team that I think most fans thought that you would at the start of the year? Where do you think you've grown the most from the beginning of the campaign until now? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't really consider myself to be a, a household name, to be honest. I think I still have a lot more I want to accomplish, um, both collectively, but also individually, um, cause my career is still very young, but, uh, I'd say for this year, for me, it was just, a a matter of, um, mentality, um, growing mentally and, and, um, valuing persistence and, uh, the consistency of being persistent in working hard and, um, training hard and uh, obviously performing well as well is, is very important for, I mean, in, in, in any business. So when you apply that to the sport world, um, it's it's paid off some dividends for me. But, of course, it's it's only such a small step for what I want to achieve both with the club and for myself as well in the future. So, um, yeah, I think there's I think there's even better times to come ahead. Uh, how much of the MLS Cup playoffs have you watched since you guys got knocked out, and how much of the final do you anticipate watching tonight between Columbus and Seattle? Uh, to be honest, I mean, with the whole quarantine thing, um, I, I've been watching just about every single game. I, I don't, I, I'd say maybe I missed one game of the whole playoffs, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I, I know for sure that uh, I'm, I'm going to be tuning in tonight at 5 o'clock to watch the um, MLS Cup. It's two great teams, and, um, yeah, it should be, uh, should be a good game. Like I'm, I saw a lot of the Seattle Minnesota game from the Western Conference Final, and it's just funny. Like Seattle just always seems to come up big in these big moments, and they were down two nothing in that game in the second half. They come back and they score the winner uh, in extra time to to advance to the final. But like, do you do you have a good sense of when a team is on the ropes? Like, can you tell like? All right, yeah, these guys are in trouble as the mo- as you know as as big moments arrive or as you know the situation Minnesota was in the other night. Like, can you tell that they're gonna they're gonna crumble? They're gonna break down at the end. Uh, I, I I didn't think that Minnesota would crumble. I just I just from that game I saw that uh, Seattle didn't panic at all in in terms of going down two zero from two set pieces. Uh, they kept their cool. They stuck to their game plan. They moved the ball well. Uh, they shifted around the Minnesota defense, and then, of course, at the end of the day, they all had the belief that they were going to win, or so it seemed like from uh, from TV. So, um, yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting to see like this um, this culture that they've built uh, within that team in terms of uh, winning and being champions because they've been in this position so uh, frequently that they didn't panic at all, even being down two zero at home in the 80th minute. You know, mm-hmm. so. Um, no, it was, it was very impressive to see them come back like the way they did. Any rooting interest tonight? Uh, no, I would say I'm I'm watching as a from a from a neutral standpoint, and uh, yeah, just hope for a good quality game. Omar, which uh, which teammate this year um, surprised you the most, both on the training ground and when it came to the actual matches? Who who stood out for you? Who maybe 
at the start of the year, you saw promise from in the beginning, but kind of lived up to it this season? Um, hmm. I mean, you want, you want to throw Binks? You want to throw Binks a compliment here? You can also throw yourself. <laughs> no, you can no, also no, throw no, yourself no, be, into the mix if you want. No, to be honest, that was the first one that came to my mind was was Louis, just because uh, I mean he came in in the preseason, and obviously we saw like eighteen year old kid from Tottenham, like he's he's gonna have good potential, and he comes from good roots and everything like that. But then of course in the back of your mind you're thinking, okay, like how professional is he being an eighteen year old? And then he came in, and um, just the way he was training, just so calm on the ball, uh, defensively, I mean, putting bodies on the players, um, winning challenges. I mean, I, I was very, very, very impressed with him, and I, and I continue to be impressed day in and day out because he's, he's such a – he's ahead of his age, uh, age group in terms of um, just what he's able to do uh, on and off the ball. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's my, he's my guy. Yeah, t- the Tottenham uh, youth system is producing some really good soccer players, just no rocket scientists, right? Exactly, not <laughs> rocket scientists. Omar, all the best on Tuesday, man. Really appreciate you joining us. And uh, keep this uh, Saturday sports appearance followed by a couple of goals going, all right? All right, sounds good. That's Omar Sadich of the Montreal Impact joining us on Saturday sports on TSN 690. Yeah, the last time, if you missed it, if you joined us late, uh, the last time he was on was October the 10th. Uh, scored his first MLS goal on October the 11th, and then followed that up with his second MLS goal on October the 14th. This is what we do on this show. We just we we create magic on the airwaves, and we create magic on the field. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask Omar about um, if he had any uh, any kind of insights into uh, Mustafa Kiza, the uh, yeah. new left back. But uh, I think he's played. One and a half games, <laughs> less even so less far, than that. <laughs> so let's be honest. Uh, I, I I'm sure that Amar has uh, gotten a chance to uh, to see him to see him and speak with him, but uh, I think he also uh, is looking to see uh, who Kiza will be going forward. I was very impressed. Yeah, very very impressed. Very impressed as well. And uh, like I said, it's it just it's so intriguing to me uh, that the guys don't necessarily think of the expansion draft, but that's coming up on true. Like you can literally lose a teammate on game day, and this is an in-the-MLS-only type of thing, and it's crazy. Uh, so I came up, John, I sat down all week, and I came up with my 12-man protection list oh boy. for the Montreal Impact, who they're keeping, who or who I would keep personally, and who I would uh, leave exposed in the expansion draft for Austin. I'll tell you who that is. I'll run my list by you and John still next on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens Hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSN 690. Welcome back. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with you till 1 o'clock. Just a reminder, we will be talking to NBCSports.com's Kurt Heelan about all things NBA in just a couple of minutes, but uh, we did mention that there is an expansion draft in the MLS. The Impact are back in action Tuesday night on TSN 690. Uh, Grant Needham and I will have the call for you beginning at 7 o'clock as the Impact uh, take on Olympia, club out of Honduras, uh, in the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League. I believe this is the quarterfinal. So a spot in the semifinal uh, up for grabs. But before they play that game, Austin, Austin FC is going to have their expansion draft. They're coming into the league in 2021. And so each team must submit a uh, 12-player list uh, that they're protecting, guys that are uh, off uh, that are off the radar that Austin can take. Of course, if 
there are teams like the, the teams remaining in the Champions League now in MLS. Uh, they've all coincidentally lost the player in the last expansion draft, so they can't lose anybody. You're exempt if you lost somebody in the last one, so the Impact didn't lose a player in the last one. Uh, so I've got my list here ready. 12 names that the Montreal Impact will protect, in my opinion, in this expansion draft. I believe the list comes out on Monday, and uh, I'll run it by you guys. You can send me your list of 12 names, or if you disagree with my list, you can text me at 11690. Uh, so my first name is Clément Diop. You okay with that still? Oh, I protect both of them personally. You don't have to because the academy the academy players are automatically protected. So, uh, so uh, Pantamis doesn't need to be protected. So uh, yes, Clay Mazziapp. The up is good. Uh, they extended the loan on Louis Binks, so I'm protecting Louis Binks as well. Don't want to lose mm-hmm. Binks. Mustafa Kiza, who you just mentioned, he's only played a game and a half, uh, but really good, looked good at left fullback. So that's three. My fourth name is Zachary Brogiard. He's a mainstay at right back, yep. young player. There's no doubt that I would protect him. Uh, Sam Piet and Victor Wanyama in the midfield. That's my five and six. Uh, another loan that was extended into 2021 is Lassie Lapalainen. I'm keeping Lapalainen. Uh, they just re-signed Romel Kyoto. He was their MVP in 2020. <laughs> so I'm keeping Kyoto. That's eight. Mason Toy, they gave up an arm and a leg. I think they gave up like $600,000 in allocation money to get Mason Toy in that trade from Minnesota. So I'm keeping Mason Toy. I am keeping Amar Sadich. That's 10. We just had him on the show. That would be really mean if I if I didn't keep him. But well, I not do only think that, he just deserves told it. Him. And you I just told him that, that I was you were going him. to. Yeah, and then if you pivoted, that would be that would be just reckless. Yes. Uh, I'm keeping Emmanuel Maciel. That's 11. And my last one. Surprise. We, we, we got to 11 before we said Maciel. But uh, yeah, go on. Uh, he's been He's been spotty this year. But listen, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It was first a weird year, year. First year. First year living in North America. Uh, and they, I mean, they didn't even live in North America because they were in Jersey for a lot of that. And my last 12th name, I thought he'd be higher up on the list, uh, but Balu Tabla. I know that he and the coach Ooh. do not see eye to eye, but I'm not letting Balu Tabla walk out the door for, for nothing. And I think this is pretty close to what the impacts list is going to look like when it comes out on Monday. I think, you know, maybe there's one or two names that they surprise us with. So what does that mean? Uh, Boyan, the option was declined on Boyan, so I'm not protecting Boyan. He's already back in Spain. He's not going to play in this game on Tuesday night. Uh, Orgio Cuanquo, his loan ends uh, from Bologna on December 31st, and they haven't extended that. So, eh, I don't think I'm going to keep... I'm not going to protect Cuanquo. Anyways, even if Austin were to take him, the loan ends on, on the 31st, so... Doesn't matter. Uh, Joel Waterman, he's a Canadian center back who did play at times this year. I'm leaving him exposed, unfortunately. Uh, same for Maxi Rudy, Rudy Camacho, Jackson. His option was declined. Raitala is out of contract. Rod Fanny's out of contract. Jorge Corrales is out of contract. And uh, Shamit Shom, uh, unfortunately, they declined the option there as well. Uh, so that's my list of 12 names. That's the guys that I've got. I've got Diop, Binks, Kiza, Brogiard, Piet, Wanyama, Lapalainen, Kyoto, Toy, Tabla, Sadich, and Masiel. You have any? Is there anything that stands I out? I think as- the only thing that I would potentially disagree with yeah. is um, the fact that you are probably going to have to spend, not big, but you're going to have to probably acquire two center backs this uh, offseason. Yeah. So for me, I can't lose another one in the expansion draft, so I'd probably take Waterman over Tabla based purely on numbers. They're both Canadian. Right. Okay. But so the the thing is, the rule in MLS is that if you're a Canadian who plays for a Canadian club, you're not considered an international player. 
But if you're a Canadian playing on an American club, you have to use one of the, the limited international roster spots. So that's why I'm thinking that Austin FC is not going to take Joel Waterman just because he's, he's a good center back, he's a good player, but he is Canadian, and I don't know that you want to use an international roster spot on a Canadian center back. That's just that's my way of thinking. Tabla's right. Canadian too, but he's a little bit more of a skill player on the ball. So you think teams uh, south the, of the border would be willing more Maybe so. more willing. I don't think they would, but I think they would be more willing to take on you know a guy with Tabla's potential than with, say, you know, defend. It's not to say that I don't like Joel Waterman. I think he's a really good player. I just think there's a higher risk in losing that yeah. you might lose Tabla than, than Waterman. I get it. I just really I really liked uh, specifically their first game of the year, which was 50 years ago yeah. uh, against uh, the New England Revolution. I uh, I really liked uh, Waterman in a back three, keeping it very, very simple. Yeah. I, I just think that the numbers game is uh, kind of more to what I'm leaning for, some actual squad depth, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think that there's a whole lot to dislike about your list there, Mr. Alfieri. You're a sweetheart. Thank you, John Still, and have a and I gotta, great, have I a gotta, great rest of your Saturday. i got to figure out what your middle name is now that you're throwing it out there to the rest of the universe. It's not, that hard. It's not that hard to find. The... Thanks, Kenny. James nah, Harden, still a member of the Houston Rockets, but how quickly might that change, if at all? If he does move this season, where does he end up? We'll tackle that and more on Saturday Sports on TSN 690.